Cause sometimes I be right. Hello. Welcome to the show. A day late. But you are now forgotten. The streets will be fed. Why am I yelling? I don't know. It's hot. It was uh, it was winter just a week ago. Now all of a sudden it wants to be 70 degrees. So I woke up early morning, turned the heater on in trash can studios. Ah, now it's hot. It's a hot box. But the heat brings out the best in me, brings out the energy, brings out the fire. And trust me, I got the fire today. I apologize for the delay for being a day late. Life happens. We are getting into the holiday season. Oh, man, I got a pain in my neck. Ah! I need another injection, Doc. But I'm back. I didn't want a week to go by without another episode of the greatest sports podcast in the world. What up, Cyber Family? If this is your first time joining us, welcome. This is Sometimes I'll Be Right. I am your host, John Farris, reporting live from Trash Can Studios. As always, joined by my co-host, Wally. Say what up, Wally! We got a great show today. It is late. You're usually listening on a Thursday, or maybe you don't listen on Thursday when it comes out. Maybe you listen later. But if it, either way, I'm not going to take up too much of your time. We got games to watch this weekend. Uh, it is the week before the game, and we'll get into that in a minute. But let's get started right away with something that has quite honestly been pissing me off lately. Oh, getting me fired up. You want the You want the negative or the positive? I thought so. Let's start with the negative. Look. Going into the weekend, going into the big matchup between Penn State and Michigan, all the lead up, all the pregame, I heard this nonsense about Michigan saying, it's us versus the world. Hey, dummy, uh, you can't say that when the world is against you because you're the bad guy. You guys cheated. You, you. Yes, you. You on the field. Yes, you. Mm, Right there. Yes, J.J. McCarthy. Y'all cheated. You can't now say, oh, it's us versus the world. No, you cheated. That's why you're getting criticized. People are looking at you sideways, questioning your wins, questioning all your accomplishments because you got caught cheating. Huh? Novel concept, right? When you get found out to be a cheater, we think of you differently. You can't now pull the, oh, everyone's against us. Yeah, because you cheated. (laughs) You're the bad guy. This isn't a situation like, oh, I'll tell you, Michigan fans. Remember years ago when Jim Trussell got fired from Ohio State amid a scandal? What was the scandal? What was the scandal? Oh, that's right. The players were getting tattoos in exchange for autographs. The players were getting gifts in exchange for autographs. The players were selling their gold, their gold pants, pendants to get money. Oh, that was the scandal, and Jim Trestle lost his job. Remember? Ohio State could look and say, it's everybody versus us. Why? Because they weren't doing anything egregious. They weren't getting an unfair competitive advantage because they were they were trading an autograph for a tattoo. They weren't getting an unfair competitive advantage because they were selling their their own jewelry to make some money. Selling autographs, they weren't getting an unfair competitive advantage. So they can claim the world everyone's against us because that's like why are you against us, bro? We just trying to make some coin. You, though, Michigan, cheated to get an unfair competitive advantage. And how significant of an advantage? So I saw this funny thing. Now, look, number one, let me just say I don't believe in coincidence. 
Okay, I don't in anywhere in life. I don't believe anything just happens by happenstance. I feel like everything is part of a everything is tied to something, whether it just be the universe giving you a break or whatever. Everything bow means something. So ESPN posted up a graphic, uh, which I thought was fascinating. So I don't know. You can chalk it up as coincidence. Don't matter to me. Do whatever you wish. I won't because I just think. If you have an idea and the data matches the idea, ah, that is kind of a fact, right? <laughs> right? So, so the graphic they posted was before and after hiring Connor Stallions as an off-field analyst. So before... Michigan was 69 and 24 under Jim Harbaugh. 69 and 24. Averaging 33.6 points per game, giving up 17.8 with a point differential of 15.8. That was before. Since they hired him, 21 and 1. 40 and a half points per game, giving up 12.4 points and a point differential of 28. Bruh! Maybe, maybe, maybe you just had a good recruiting class. Think people turned the corner. Guys got mature. You just had a better, you got a better roster now. Maybe that's it. But since you hired this guy who was caught at all these other games, stealing signs, taking videos, breaking the rules. Since you hired him to go help you cheat, you are 21 and 1. Hey, it ain't you versus everybody. You're a cheater. And don't, listen, and before it even starts, don't sit here and tell me, oh, now the players have to suffer for what the coaching staff was doing. The players have to suffer for hardball. No, the players benefited. The players benefit. You can't tell me they didn't know. You can't tell me the defense didn't know when they looked to the sideline and the coaches were giving them a signal of what's coming. They had, how would they know? Wow, coach is so smart. He just know, he guessed it. (laughs) No, no, they all knew. To hell with all of them. Yes, yes, they deserve the ban and I hope they burn in hell. (laughs) I'm yelling a lot because I'm fired up because I hate, number one, I hate Michigan. Number two, aside from that, because look, if we're being honest, is what they did crazy? No, 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 who cares? If it were anybody else, like, look, whatever. The problem is, is number one, Jim Harbaugh saying, "Uh, innocent to proven guilty. Hey, dumb, dumb. They already know you're guilty. You can't hide it. There's video. There's evidence. They got it. It's there. You deny it if you want to. It's there. If it weren't true, why'd you fire the guy? Oh, 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 you, you fired the guy for what? If he was doing his job and not doing anything wrong, why isn't he still there? Oh, that's right. Because even you are acknowledging, oh, he was doing something wrong. We didn't know. We didn't know. We had no idea. Yeah, okay. Because that's happening. Oh, okay. Thumbs up. Yeah, sure. I believe you. Wink. Stop it. I mean, if they would just say, look, all right, cool. Just keep your mouth shut. Take whatever penalty comes. Come out and say, look, you know, we trusted this. Even if you want to throw them under the bus, I wouldn't. I think that's foul because you hired him for a reason. You sent him to do a job. He wasn't acting on his own. That would be a lot of money spent on tickets and travel and all that stuff. I don't think he's coming out of pocket for that. All right? So just own it. Play dumb. We misinterpreted the rules. We didn't realize we were violating the rules. We thought we were operating within the structure. That's a mistake on my part as the head coach. I should have been more clear. I should have gave better direction. That sounds like a good way to handle it, right? You come right out. You fall on the sword. You say, look, this one's on me. I 
I, I thought I was complying with the rules. I obviously was wrong. I apologize. I, I deeply apologize. I'm sorry to every team who feels like they've been wronged. Was unintended. I wasn't trying to break the rules or be shady. I was trying to win games. All right. I wasn't. I didn't know I was cheating. What like even it? Yes, that's BS. Of course it is. But do that first day, day one. Do it. Get it out the way. Move on. Because what's the story then? You're acknowledging it happened. You're acknowledging it's your fault. You're acknowledging you're willing to accept whatever penalty. Story over. We all move on. No one wants to talk about it. It's over. It's over. But instead, you want to put on the show, fire the guy. That's messed up. But anyway, that's the negative. So shut up, Michigan. You're not the victim. Okay, it's not Michigan versus everybody. No, everybody hates you because you cheated. They have a reason to hate you. You're not innocent bystander. Okay, and the players, they're just as guilty as the coaches. They didn't know. Okay, they just thought their coach was that smart. He could guess the other team's plays. (laughs) During preparation all week, they said, man, he knows everything about this team. He must study. My gosh, he studies a lot. Yeah, that's what they thought. That's exactly what they thought. So let's get to the positive. So watching the Penn State game, Michigan versus Penn State, I I had an epiphany. I've been hating on Michigan all year. Now, I stand by what I said about their schedule being pathetic, weak, that people love them and want to put them in number one. It's unwarranted based on their resume. And I kind of poo-pooed on them. Here's the thing. All of that is true. But again, two things can be true. Yes, Michigan had a cupcake schedule. Yes, they were on easy street. Yes, they were being unfairly praised for what they did based on who they were playing. However, it is also true that that's a good football team. They are. I was hating on Michigan simply because I hate Michigan. That's it. It's that simple. But Michigan is a good team. And the game against Penn State proved it. However, again, multiple things can be true. Although they prove that they are legit and a good team, they also showed a flaw. See, Penn State has a really good defense. Offensively, weak. Defense, top notch. And that Michigan offense didn't look, they didn't look, <laughs> didn't look amazing, did they? They weren't like super explosive, were they? I don't think J.J. McCarthy attempted a pass in the second half. Hey. Hey. (laughs) Guess what? If you watch the last two games against Ohio State, how did Ohio State lose? Not from Michigan driving up the field. No. It's from explosive plays. 87-yard touchdown runs. 52-yard touchdown passes to wide-open guys. They didn't drive. They didn't. Explosive plays. Look at the game versus Penn State. How did they score? Explosive plays. What is Ohio State not giving up this year? Explosive plays. Make them drive it. The more plays the team has to run, number one, the game shortens. Now our margin for error, we don't, it's it's not there, right? So we shorten the game. We could be more precise. We don't have to, our offense doesn't have to be explosive if we could shorten the game. Secondly, make them drive. The more plays they run, the more opportunities it is that they can make a mistake. You get down in the red zone, it's hard to score in the red zone. That field shrinks, right? There's a lot less room to operate. There you go. Michigan's offensive line got exposed versus Penn State. They couldn't pass the ball because they couldn't protect. You know who has good rushers? Ohio State. The game plan for Ohio State against Michigan is simple. Don't give up the explosive play. Force Michigan to drive up the field. It'll be a low-scoring, ugly game. But Michigan is good. Michigan's good. And I think 
trying to call them bad is ignoring the obvious, and I, I don't want to be biased. My job here is not to be biased. It is to be objective and give you the real. So let's move on now to Ohio State, actually, because they beat up on Michigan State. And in that game, Ohio State looked like they turned it on a little bit. Like they took a little bit. We've been talking about what I've been talking about, Kyle McCord, all year. About I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I don't know. There's been a lot of conversations online and in forums about we should, they should just let Kyle McCord go. Trying to run the ball isn't working. Just you're a pass offense. Let Kyle McCord go, right? But there have been times where it's like ah, against Michigan State, it looked like they were like, let's go for it. Let's push the ball. Let's be aggressive. Let's go. And they were explosive. Now, Michigan State's not good, but they're also not as bad. I They're one of those teams where, like, they lose games, but they compete. They're not a pushover, right? They're not a Youngstown State. They, they can compete. They got some players. They just need some direction. Now, I'm not trying to overhype the win. Don't get me wrong. Michigan State's bad. But it wasn't like Ohio State was going against a team who had no players on it. Like, they were going against... Some real guys. But Ryan Day said before that game that it's it's November. Let's go take what we deserve. And watching that game, it looked like that. Now, what I want to highlight in this quote is two words. Take and deserve. Because I feel like those two words give you Everything you need to know about the mentality of this Ohio State team and why I am so confident they're going to beat Michigan and why I'm so confident they can make a national title and maybe even win a title. What has been the big knock on Ohio State over like the past couple years? They're soft. If you punch them in the mouth, they don't respond. Right? Entitled. Right? They always beat up on bad teams. And then when they got to the meter of their schedule, they didn't look the same. Right? Right? A little bit diva-ish. Yeah, not tough. Well, in this quote, when you talk about take and deserve, number one, the let's go take, that hints at the fact of there is no complacency. There is no, oh, we're the greatest. No, 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 no. There is a humble attitude there. There is a mindset of no one's going to give it to us. We have to take it. That's an attitude. That is a, I'm not coming into the game thinking I'm going to win. I'm coming into the game to win. They're not showing up that this seems bad. We got this, whatever. They're going in saying, no, no, no. We are coming here. We are going to beat you. However that, however that goes, however we need to do that, we are here to do that. It's not a foregone conclusion. We are here to fight you and take it. I love that. That's an attitude. That is a that is a that is a fire that is a mentality that going into that Michigan game. Because let's be honest, I don't give a damn if they lose. I don't care what happens this week. They got men, I don't care. They could lose to Minnesota. I don't care. I don't. This season for me was about two things. Number one, reestablish an attitude and a culture with this team that is back to what it needs to be, which is we are going to dominate. Not because we're just so good and you can't compete. No, we are going to be like intentional and we are going to fight and claw and do whatever it takes to win, to beat you by any means necessary. Not walking in the building thinking you the man. No, we have to take it every week. That was number one. The season was important for me. And number two, beat Michigan. Why? Why? To get that monkey off the back of Ryan Day and to reestablish within this community 
that we are not satisfied with winning eight, nine straight versus Michigan. No, 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 no. This is still important. See, I feel like I said it before, but I feel like for a decade, it was a foregone conclusion they're going to beat Michigan. I hate Michigan, right? I hate Michigan. I'm not going to lie to you. There were times leading up to this game, not excited at all, not concerned at all, not worried about it. It was just another game. There were years where I was more concerned about Penn State, more concerned about Michigan State, Purdue on the road than I was Michigan. Or Michigan was like, nah, they're going to beat me. Michigan sucks. Michigan's trash. And the last two years, hey, they handed it to him. Now it's time to go, like he said, take it. And I love that this year it's on the road. Oh, I love that it's in Michigan. Because they're going to have to go to Michigan. And again, there's that word, take it. Because Michigan's not going to give it. They're not going to roll over and just give you a give you a win. No, you're going to have to go take it. And I love the fact that they're going to go take it. The second part of that word is deserve. Now, some people might look at that and say, well, that sounds entitled. I don't. Because when you when you put the take in front of the deserve, it means we're going to take it, which means we're going to earn it. Our effort day in, day out during the week, our effort every play on the field to take the win is going to result in what we deserve. Does that make sense? If you put in the work, you deserve the prize. I love that. So much you can take from a simple statement. But I think the mentality of this team is top notch. And as much as we all hate watching them struggle to run the ball, the fact that they're committed to it, that's a mentality. That's saying, no, 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 no. Just because it didn't work the first time doesn't mean we're going to stop. You're not going to prevent us from doing what we want to do. And when the games got tough and they had to make plays, they, they went to what they knew. But guess what? In a game like Michigan State, they kept running the ball. I like it. Another interesting thing, because again, we can all look past this week. I don't care. I know there's probably a millions and millions of Ohio State fans who feel like me. I don't care about the Minnesota game. I don't care. If they lose to Minnesota and beat Michigan, they can still make the playoff. I don't care about Minnesota. But this Michigan-Ohio State game is interesting because it is 100% a reversal of what it's been the past couple years. See, in the last couple years, it was Ohio State who was coming into the game dominating everybody, blowout win after blowout win. Oh, they're just so good. They're so good. They're great. They're great. Look at what they do to everybody. But some people had questions. Well, how good is this guy really? How good is that really? They haven't really been tested. What's going to happen with this? And here comes little old Ohio State, just like Michigan was the last two years, winning games. But because they always lose to Ohio State, came into the Ohio State game thinking, ah, I don't know how Michigan's going to match up with this offense. This juggernaut Ohio State, what's Michigan going to do? You know what they did? They came in. They ran the ball. They were tougher. They took it. Guess what everyone's saying coming into this game? It's a foregone conclusion. Michigan's going to beat Ohio State. Ohio State, the least impressive top four team. Ohio State, yeah, that Notre Dame win doesn't look as great anymore, does it? Eh, that Penn State win doesn't look as great anymore, does it? Eh, Kyle McCord, eh, he's not really it. J.J. McCarthy, Heisman candidate, yeah, all that. Yep, Ohio State comes into this game for the first time in a long time, not expected to win, with some people doubting their ability. And they've gone this whole season, tough game, tough game, tough game. Need a play late. Kyle McCord, tough game, tough game, need a play late. All year, they went through this. And now they are here for the moment that means everything. 
I'm putting it down now. Ohio State beats Michigan. We'll get more into it uh, next week before the big game. But I, I just find this whole thing fascinating. Wow, 25 minutes on Ohio State and Michigan. And it's not even Ohio State-Michigan week. Imagine what next week is going to be like. Woo! We're going through everything. Buckle up. That might be its own episode. I might have to do my a separate episode just on that game. That's how much thoughts I got on that game. So I want to talk about something. Let's stick with college football, but I want to talk about Mr. Caleb Williams. Look, I, I understand that Caleb Williams didn't play bad versus Oregon. However, it wasn't great either. Here's something I've noticed about Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams does not, has not played great against the best teams they've played or in the biggest games they have. He hasn't. Just hasn't. It hasn't been as clean. It hasn't been as fantastic. Another loss. A huge red flag for me with Caleb Williams. Number one, he's super emotional. Last year, writing the F Utah on his nails with the nail polish, thought that was trash. Thought that was very bold, and then they went out there and smacked you around. This year, crying. This year, you look at him complaining. Looks defeated, sad. Against the best teams on their schedule, losses. Doesn't play the best. Doesn't have his best game in those moments. Just doesn't look superhuman in those moments with those teams. Well, guess what? First pick in the NFL draft is probably going to be the worst team. Chances are that number one pick is not getting traded to somebody better. That bad team is going to sit right there and take that quarterback. So guess what? Caleb Williams is going to go to a team who probably doesn't have a lot of weapons, who probably doesn't have a good offensive line, and who probably has a middle of the road to below average defense. Caleb Williams isn't elevating USC. So why do we think he's going to go to the NFL and elevate an NFL team? Now, understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying, look, there's no reason. There's no reason why Caleb Williams shouldn't be lighting up every team in college. There's no reason. If he is the number one pick, the number one pick, he should be lighting up the world. He should have no game. It doesn't matter who they play. He should never have games where he looks lost. Against Notre Dame, lost. Against Utah at times, lost. I've seen it. I've seen it enough. Look, y'all can love Caleb Williams. I think he's a good player. But you know what he is? He's a good player who is only at his best when everything around him is at its best. Caleb Williams is never going to have success in a bad situation. It's not going to happen. It's not. He's super talented, but you better have the supporting cast or else you got a talented guy who can't deliver. I'm saying it now. Listen, if I got the number one pick, I want no parts of Caleb Williams. Nope. Answer me a question. What's the difference between Caleb Williams and Kyler Murray? What's the difference? Both of them a little on the small side. Both of them are super athletic. Both of them have really surprisingly great arm. Like, Kyler Murray's arm is insane. I don't know how. The ball is bigger than he is. (laughs) But God, he got a laser. Right? Make fantastic plays, run around, find open guys. Oh, my gosh. Look at, whoa, look at that. Oh, my God. Yeah, both got it. Look at Kyler Murray in Arizona. The supporting cast is great. He'll be good. The supporting cast is poor. 
He ain't going to do nothing much. That's Caleb Williams. My pro comp, Caleb Williams is Kyler Murray. Put him in the right situation, he's going to be just fine. Put him in a bad situation, no good. That's it. Anyway, that's just my two cents. Jimbo Fisher fired at Texas A&M. I had a brief thought uh, that after this suspension, Jim Harbaugh is going to leave. I think he's going to get some NFL offers. I think the number one team that's going to call is is uh, the Chargers. The Chargers need to make a change at head coach. It's not working. That team has too many players on it to not be better. Like you can't even you can't even point to one reason why they're not good. You can't. The defense, it's not bad. Quarterback, great. Running back, great. Receiver group, really good. Offensive line, first round picks everywhere. They're a good offensive line. Why is this team bad? I don't know. Is it just me or does anyone have any idea why? Point to one thing, the Chargers, the reason why they're bad. You can't even say, well, they don't have a good defense. They don't have a good offense. Because when you look at everything, you're like, no, they should be winning. They put up points. They make some stops. Like, why are they bad? Get you a new coach. It's over. You got to get a new coach. So my thought is Michigan's Michigan Harbaugh's out of there. Was my thought. Now I might I'm probably completely wrong. This is the thought I had a couple days ago when I started writing down show notes and topics. My thought was Harbaugh's out of there. Does Michigan call Jimbo Fisher to come coach? Maybe. I'm just putting it in the atmosphere. Is Jimbo Fisher's next stop Michigan? Let's move on. So I've been talking a lot of trash about Colorado, and I've actually been finding joy in Colorado losing. They lose again, by the way, to Arizona late on a field goal, and I was very excited about it. Uh, not because I'm hating. I know it sounds like hate. But here's the thing. I love when uh, people overreact to something. Right, like I love it when you overreact to an idea and you heap this incredible amount of praise and your your head balloons to the size of the planet and then reality comes and smacks you in the mouth and says, hey, that was fun, but here's the truth. When you get hit with a truth bomb, I love that. Now, we're going to talk about CJ Stroud in a minute, but. Some of you would say, well, that could be the same case for CJ because now everyone loves him. MVP conversation. Shouldn't truth smack him in the face that he's just a rookie? Yes, indeed. But I will point to something, the reason why I don't think that's going to happen. Okay. So Colorado comes out. They got so much hype going into the year because Deion Sanders is there. Coach Prime is there. They got this whole thing going. I was excited, too. What's this going to look like? Shador Sanders. How good is he really? Travis Hunter. Two-way player. What's going to happen? What's this going to look like? I was excited too. Then they win the first game versus TCU. Everyone's super excited. The post-game press conference is, oh my God. Dion saying, I kept receipts. Do you believe now? Da-da-da-da-da. Everybody's on cloud nine. As soon as he said, do you believe now? I said, ah, ah, a little early for that. Soon as he said, that's right, I keep the receipts. Ah, a little too early for that, too. Not in week one. Not in week one, Prime. Not in week one. But okay. I said, ah, let's see what they do week two. Week two, home game, celebrities come out. Week three, even worse. Colorado State, ah, all the celebrities are there. It's a party. Pre-game shows there. It's a party. Talk of the town. Then you got the people writing the articles that Deion Sanders is changing the face of college football. He's changing the culture. He's changing the way we view NIL deals, all this other stuff. Okay. I thought it then. 
And I double down on it now. All of that was premature. They hadn't played nobody yet. TCU was a big game, number one, because it was the first game of the year. So sure. And it was on the road. Sure. TCU was ranked. Sure. And they were just in the national championship game. However, they were also destroyed in that national championship game, 62 to 7, and lost all the best players on that team. So what you were getting was a team who had just got embarrassed in the national championship minus all of that team's best players. So what you got now is a bunch of questions. But nobody cared. This is Deion Sanders' first game coaching at the Power Five. And he's going against a ranked TCU, the defending runner-up. What? Okay, fine. I give it to you. I gave it to you. Fine. But after three games, you were sitting at 3-0, and talk of the town. You've won exactly one game since. And you got two games left. You got two games left, my friend. You got to win two games. You got to win one of your next two. Well, who you got this week? Washington State. Which on paper, man, Washington State has fallen apart. Just absolutely falling apart. But. Man. You got to go on the road at night. To Washington State. Who Cam Ward, look, is a guy I really like. I like Cam Ward a lot. And the problem is with Colorado is they can't stop nobody. So this I expect this to be a shootout. Both teams sitting at four and six. Man, both of these teams fell apart. But if Colorado can't stop anybody. And Colorado can't block anybody. Your defense doesn't have to be great for Colorado. You just got to make one or two stops. Because their defense ain't making no stops. I said they got to win one more. No, they got to win the next two games to make a bowl. I'm going to take Washington State in this game. I am. At home. At night. On a Friday night, nonetheless. Bruh. So now you're talking about dropping a four and seven. And then next week in your final game, you got Utah. Boy, oh boy. But now I didn't want to throw dirt on. That's not why we're here. (laughs) I kind of got lost in just like the, the man, how they fell apart. What I wanted to bring up was, although all of that is true, again, I guess the theme should be both things are true. Or two things can be true. That should be the title of this episode. Although they, they people overreacted, they took too much credit, yes, flashing the watch, yeah, doing all that stuff, keeping the receipts, do you believe? Now, all of that was very premature, and reality has smacked them in the face. However, I will say, this team, they are playing hard. They just don't have the guys. Either they don't have the players, or they don't have the direction, or a combination of both. And I think it is a combination of both. I think Deion Sanders is going to be a guy who is going to draft really good players. Not draft. Recruit really good players. And then allow them to just go play. Where we're not going to overcoach you. We're going to let your natural God-given ability you understand what I'm saying? Like, let them, let the dogs run. Don't try to have too much structure. Let them go play and be athletes. That's where he's going to excel. But this team is playing hard, man. So although they're losing, Coach Prime does have those kids playing hard and putting in effort. They're not losing because they're not trying. They're just not good enough. And that becomes the question, right? So we can still question the long-term success of Coach Prime. 
Because what are we judging a coach on? Wins and losses, how well a team plays, recruiting classes. Well, let's see how good the recruiting class is coming in. Let's see what they do in the transfer portal. Because I feel like all the hype and excitement to go to Colorado has kind of died down a bit now. I don't think you're going to have the great influx of everyone wanting to go to Colorado like you thought. I don't think so. But we'll see. Uh, Georgia jumps Ohio State in the college football playoff rankings. I don't have a problem with it. Georgia is a defending two-time national champion. Um, they haven't lost yet, and they look like they're hitting their stride. I'm fine with that. Let's move on to the NFL. I got a couple topics I want to get into. I want to start with the Cowboys because the Cowboys absolutely destroyed the Giants. And for me, it's funny timing because after that Eagles game where they barely lost and they were so close to winning that game and they lost, a lot of people came out of that game and said, oh, I'm encouraged by the Cowboys. Hey, I'm excited by them. I feel like even in a loss, they showed something that's going to bode well for the rest of the season. And then they come out the very next week and wash the Giants. Woo! And everyone says, see, we told you. They look like they were starting to put it together versus Philly, and they continued it this week. And guess who they got this week coming up? They got the Panthers. Oh, they're bad. And they're going to wash the Panthers too. And everyone's going to be right back to being excited about the Cowboys, except who? That's right, me. You want to know why? Because I see it every year. I see it every single year, and I'm tired of it. I'm not buying into this. They lose a tough game to a team who's better. Then they have easy cupcake, a couple weeks of playing teams who stink. They look great. Everyone gets excited and buys in. And then it's like, oh, they go up against another good team and they lose. And it's like, oh, man, like they came up short again. Like, yeah, I'm not getting excited. So they had the Giants, bad. Panthers, bad. Then they got the Commanders, I believe, on Thanksgiving, bad. They're going to win three in a row. They're going to be rolling. I'm not buying it. I've seen it too many times. I've just seen it too many times, man. I don't need to buy into that. That's all I have to say about that. But I do want to talk about the Giants because the Giants are an absolute mess. And I know they got injuries and the offensive line isn't good and blah, 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 blah. Like I told you, I live in the Northeast, so I get I hear it all the time on the radio. These people calling in, the fans. I hear the, the commentators and their thoughts and ideas on the Giants and, oh, what's wrong and this and that. And they 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 seem to be staying away from one guy who I feel like deserves a lot of blame. That's right. It may be early, but I'm going to do it. Because again, I got got some personal issues with it, right? Because look, I'm not the biggest Mike McCarthy fan. I'm not. But after a 12-4 and season, I heard people say he should get fired. Yeah, it happens. He should get fired. Oh, okay. We should fire a guy who who's 12 and 4 because they didn't win a playoff game. Okay. Or because they didn't get past the divisional round. Okay. So let's look at the Giants. So what can we say about the Giants? They're bad. They're terrible. Offense completely incompetent. Absolutely trash. Defense, little to no resistance. Who does it fall on? Oh, we should be looking at Brian Dayball. Why? Because you guys thought he was a super coach last year. Coach of the year. Coach of the year, man. Finally got a real coach. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Started 6-1. and one. Got a real coach, real quarterback, blah, 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 blah. Six and 17 cents. Hmm. Interesting. So since starting six and one and being the greatest coach in the world, you've gone six 
and 17. And quite honestly, it's getting worse. Now, you might say, but it's not his fault. It's not his fault. Look at this. Look at that. Okay. Look right across the stadium at the Jets. Jets offense, pathetic. That team plays hard. That team plays hard. That team still, like, you're not going to sit there and tell me that you think Zach Wilson is dramatically better than Tommy DeVito. Tommy DeVito might have almost as many touchdowns this year. <laughs> like, to me, the thing is, the Jets have a problem. Their offensive line is weak. It was coming into the year. Everyone said it. No one gives them an excuse for that. Zach Wilson, uh, they replaced him. And then they got stuck with him. So, whatever. So, nobody's raving about him. Yes, they got some weapons, but what they're doing is taking what they have and trying to make it work. What the Giants are doing is what? They're just a mess. They're not playing hard. They're fighting with each other. They're giving up easy stuff. They look like they don't care. They look like they checked out already. That's coaching. That's the coach's job. Robert Sala has that team fighting every game. Brian Dayball doesn't have the Giants fighting every game. They might fight for a quarter or a series, but as soon as things start to look like they're turning, that team folds. That is a coaching issue. Brian Dayball deserves far more heat than he is getting. That is all. (laughs) Now, before we walk away, I do want to touch on my guy CJ Stroud one more time because he does it again. Game-winning drive for the second week in a row. This kid is phenomenal. Now, what we talked about earlier when I said that uh, when reality smacks you in the face, kind of like with Colorado, why don't I think he will? Because he came out with a quote uh, the other day which said, they love me today, they'll hate me tomorrow. I don't really worry about it. And for me, that says it all. One of the reasons why I felt like he was a can't-miss prospect was because even at Ohio State where he was the man, never really seemed to buy into it. Never saw nothing that made you feel like he thought he was, he would just go back to work. After the Michigan games, he would just go back to work. After a win, just go back to work. He's different. He's not a big, flashy guy. Never has been. Right? Just kind of, hey, loves football. He's all about football. Went to the combine through. You know who didn't? The guy you drafted over him. CJ Stroud went there to throw. I love football. I, I'm, a, I'm a quarterback. I throw. Wherever I'm, wherever you need somebody, I'm a throw. He's, he loves it. Can't miss because the mentality is right. He's committed to the process, not the results. Always crediting coaches and teammates. Never about me, me, me. It's a good kid. Good head on his shoulders. But what I wanted to talk about was two things. Number one, do the Panthers regret drafting Bryce Young over C.J. Stroud? My opinion, if they don't, they should. They should. Because they made a mistake. And number, I'll tell you why in a minute. And number two, I heard, um, it's not just him, but Julian Edelman is the one who said it that triggered me. But I've heard it. Throughout the entire draft process. And this is what I want to highlight right now. It's like the stupidity of the draft process. Where everyone kept saying it's hard to evaluate C.J. Stroud because how good is he really? Because look at what he has around him. It's hard to evaluate guys coming from places like Ohio State because you got the greatest supporting cast. So how good are you really and how much of it is your supporting cast? Two things. Number one, what the hell? How can you evaluate Bryce Young? Alabama is 
number one or two in recruiting every year. They get the best. You got no problem recruiting him. But Ohio State, you can't, you don't, we don't know because look at what he got around. Look at what Bryce Young had around him. Like, it's the same situation. Maybe the receivers are more flashy. Sure. But Alabama pumps out receivers all the time. So that whole, that's false. No. The truth is, you look at the Big Ten a certain type of way, and you look at the SEC a certain type of way. That's what it is. Bryce Young was from the SEC. He dominated. He won the title. He was great. Blah, blah, blah. All that other stuff. Yeah. So you thought, oh, he was doing it against NFL players. CJ Stroud was doing it, in your opinion, against guys who were not going to be playing. Those, eh, no, it's not the same. That's what, it's just a bias. It's okay. Just admit it. That's it. Just admit it. It's the bias. I had another point and I forgot. Because, again, like I said, the only reason why I keep harping on this, because I feel like he is, CJ Stroud is a great example of don't overthink it. There is not a single thing you could point to to say that Bryce Young did better than CJ Stroud. Not a single one. Not a single one. Nothing on the field. Nothing in the film room. Nothing you could point to to say this is why he's better. The only reason why you drafted him first is because you relied on that very simple fact. He played at the SEC. He played in the Big Ten. I trust him. It was never about Ohio State. You idiots that try to say, well, we've seen Ohio State quarterbacks not be good. No, you're an idiot. Oh, I remember my second point. Yeah. To prove the point even further, why you're stupid for thinking that way, Kyle McCord... Don't look nothing like C.J. Stroud, does it? Kyle McCord now, same receivers, great receivers, same guys. Don't look the same, does it? Ohio State's offense ain't as explosive, is it? You think that's just because what? Oh, I'll tell you what it is, the quarterback. Kyle McCord's not as good as C.J. Stroud, and that team doesn't look as good. In fact, you, someone who said you can't evaluate C.J. Stroud because of where he's from because look at what he has around him, you're probably the same guy that says, look how terrible Ohio State looks. They're not going to beat Michigan. Yeah, you want to know why? That quarterback that you don't think is any good. You put in another quarterback with these same receivers, same running back, pretty much the same defense, team don't look the same. That's all you need to, that's all, all you need to know. The Panthers made a massive mistake because C.J. Stroud doesn't need everything around him to be perfect. He doesn't. Bryce Young needs things around him to be really good in order to be at his best. That's the difference. Because, yo, you could say, but it's hard to evaluate Bryce Young because he's in a really bad situation. The Texans aren't great. The Texans weren't expected to do anything big this year. The Texans were picking second too. Like, what do you, what? Nico Collins, sorry. Robert Woods, he gets dropped all the time. Tank Dell, a rookie that you all passed on twice. Some of you three times. A little 5'7", 160-pound receiver. That's the golden ticket? He's got subpar weapons, a solid offensive line, a good running back, and a solid defense. He doesn't need everything to be perfect to perform. Why? Because his game is not based on flash. It's not based on athleticism. It's based on precision. It's based on being incredibly accurate, incredibly smart, 
And it's based on a team saying, here's what you can do. Everyone likes to say they dumb it down. Stop. Stop. It's simple because it's simple. Football simple. His game is predicated on precision and accuracy. You all missed it. You overthought it. You overthought the room. You use factors like, I don't know, you know, I don't know. He proved it to you against Georgia. He proved it to you at the combine. He showed you at his pro day. It was all there. It was all there and you missed it. And I like to bring it up constantly because I want it to serve as a constant reminder. Don't overthink the process. And sometimes I'd be right. All right, let's get into some picks. I've held you long enough. College football, we got Michigan taking on Maryland in what some would call a trap game. With next week's big Ohio State-Michigan game, is Michigan going to overlook Maryland? It it doesn't matter. I think they can overlook Maryland and still win. I don't think they will, though, because the way Michigan plays has to be grinded out. You know what I mean? They're not a big explosive team. They like to grind. So I think they're going to win. Utah taking on Arizona. I like Utah. Again, Utah is just that team where you can't keep them down, man. They keep coming back. I got Utah beating Arizona. Georgia taking on Tennessee. Tennessee, who's still ranked for some reason, I don't understand. They should be at 25 at the very best. Tennessee's not very good. I like Georgia to continue improving, continue to put their foot down, and continue to get in postseason form. I like Georgia to beat Tennessee. Ohio State taking on Minnesota. Like I said earlier, I honestly do not care if Ohio State wins or loses this game, but I like Ohio State to win. I think they're going to try to uh, make a statement early, get the starters out, and move on to next week as soon as possible. you got Washington facing Oregon State. Now, this one is interesting to me. I'm going to take Oregon State for a couple reasons. Washington has been, they've been cutting it close the past couple weeks. Right, They've had some scares, they've gotten some breaks, but they've looked a little shaky, a little Bambi, a little shaky legs. Here's the ultimate deciding factor. It's a night game, and it's in Oregon. Oregon State is home at night, taking Oregon State. That's right. I think they're favored, too, so I'm not way off. I think they're probably favored for on the field reasons and I'm picking them because it's a night game at home and those are hard to win and Washington looks shaky. They look like they got the potential to have one of those nights. I think it's going to happen. NFL Dolphins favored by 13 versus the Raiders. The Dolphins who can't beat a team with a winning record. The Raiders are sitting at five and five. 13 points is a lot and I'm taking the Raiders. I think ultimately the Dolphins win, but I think the Raiders cover the 13. I think since firing Josh McDaniels, if nothing else, Antonio Pierce has firmly implemented, this is our identity. This is what we do. Good or bad, win or lose, consistent. Everyone knows your role. This is it. We're not trying to be cute. We are run offense and we play tough defense. He's setting the tone, setting the identity, and the players are loving it, and they're performing, and they're rewarding them. I like the Raiders to cover the 13, but the Dolphins to win the game. Cowboys favored by 10.5 versus the Panthers. I told you Cowboys are going to watch the Panthers build up even more momentum going into Thanksgiving. I think it's all for not. I'm still not buying into the Cowboys. Not yet, at least. You got to show me something. But I like the Cowboys to cover the 10.5 versus the Panthers. The Panthers suck. Bills minus seven versus the Jets. I'm taking the Jets. The Bills are a mess. So much so that you got fans talking about the Giants should trade the number two pick, should they end up in the number two spot, to get him, to get Josh Allen. But Josh Allen is the problem. He's a turnover machine. He's a head case. He's all over the place. This team is wildly inconsistent. I think this Jets defense is going to put a lot of pressure on him and steal the ball get a bunch of turnovers, and actually not only cover, I think the Jets outright beat the Bills. Maybe I'm crazy, but I'm going with it. Texans minus four and a half versus the Cardinals. This is a perfect spot where normally I would say with all the hype and love going in the direction of C.J. Stroud this week that he's 
bound to lay an egg, right? I don't think so. Because again, he's not buying into it. His preparation isn't changing. His attitude's not going to change. So I like the Texans to cover the four and a half. Listen, man, the Texans, I picked them early on to make the playoffs. I'm sticking with it. I think this Texans team is starting to put some stuff together. They're starting to push the ball a little bit. I like what they got brewing, man. I like the low chemistry. I like the attitude. D'Amico Ryan's coach of the year, possibly. Chiefs minus two and a half versus the Eagles. I like the Chiefs. I think the Eagles have been sleepwalking. I think that game versus the Cowboys exposed a lot of things. I like this Chiefs team to put up a bunch of points, put the pressure on the Eagles, and I like the Eagles offense to have a couple turnovers. Therefore, I am taking the Chiefs to cover the two and a half and to win the game. That's my time, y'all. Look, I appreciate y'all coming through. Once again, I sincerely apologize for the 24-hour delay, but we are up, we are live, we are running. I hope I was able to entertain you this week. I gave you my best. I did my best. I did my best. (laughs) Anyway, look, enjoy the games this weekend. I will be back next week. I think I'm going to be doing a very special episode on Monday or Tuesday on top of a regular podcast because it is Michigan Ohio State week and I think I'm going to put out a special episode on Monday breaking that game down giving you my prediction and why getting into the deep little tiny cracks and crevices because this week is my holiday I don't care for Thanksgiving Christmas can wait this is the Michigan game and I need Victory! I'll see you guys next week.